0: Let's take our Bibles and we're going to turn to the book of Psalms once again, Psalm 119, as we've been working our way through this Word of God chapter in the Bible. And uh, we've been looking at different aspects of the value of the Word of God. And last night we started our uh, hermeneutics class in the Bible Institute. We had a good turnout for that. And I was encouraged by it. I don't know about the students that had to sit and listen to the teaching, but. Uh, it was a blessing to me and I appreciate every, everyone being there and the questions and the comments and all that. One of the things that we talked about though was, uh, and really the, the, the focus of the class was uh, dealing with the Word of God, the inspiration of the Word of God, why we know that we can uh, trust the Bible that we have. And uh, that was encouraging to me. It's always encouraging when I consider the the, the Bible that I hold in my hands, that these words are not just the words of man and they're not just uh, some wise sayings from old uh, timers from long ago who learned some important lessons. These are the very words of God and I'm encouraged by that. It's wonderful to know that I, that I hold in my hand the pure, unadulterated word of God and can know everything that he wants me to know this side of heaven if I just pick it up and read it. And uh, that's important and and valuable. So, tonight we're going to talk about the Word of God once again. We're going to talk about learning to love God's Word. Learning to love God's Word. Psalm 119, we'll begin reading in verse number 97. If you're there, you can stand as we read the Scripture together. Psalm 119, verse 97, it says, Oh, how I love, or Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained, My feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy commandment or from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. You can be seated. As we look at tonight, this subject of learning to love God's Word, we read of the testimony of a man who had just done that. He had learned the value and importance of the Word of God in his life. And he starts out this section, if you notice, and I know I've mentioned this before, but this chapter is broken down into sections, eight verses each. Each one of these sections is... is. Uh, uh, it corresponds with the, the, the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, and it's, so in, it's in alphabetical order. Now, we read it in English, but, uh, but obviously it was originally written in Hebrew, and each section started with that next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And so where we are tonight, we find that this section starts out with this statement, O oh, how love I thy law! He's referring to the Word of God, and he's expressing his love and delight in God's Word. Now, I think it's an easy thing for us to say, yes, I love the Bible. I love the Word of God. I'm I'm thankful that I have the Word of God. But I wonder how sincerely we can actually say that I love God's Word. It is of great value it's a great desire to me the truth is a lot of times we kind of uh, uh... treat god's word as a light thing i think that we can become very complacent at times because the bible is so readily available to us in this country and uh... most of us how many of you own more than one copy of the bible i think most of us probably do i know that i own a lot. I know someone, uh, one of my kids asked me, how many Bibles do you have, Dad? I said, I don't know, not enough, because I always find another one that I really like, and and uh, I like the, the way it's laid out or whatever, and, and, uh, and they say, well, how many do you want? Well, I don't know, I, I'm just glad to have them around, you know, <laughs> I'm thankful. You see some of these videos of, of uh, Christians in China that, uh, you know, get a Bible for the first time, the, the first time they've ever held a Bible in their hands, and and uh, the way that they just weep and laugh with joy and, and, uh, and I, I have to be honest and admit that there are many times that I do not treat God's word with that kind of excitement and love and joy because I've become so accustomed to having it and, uh, and yet the truth is if, uh, if I was uh, in a place where I had no access to the word of God, I'd be lost folks, I would be Uh, that'd be one of the worst things that you could do to me, uh, would be to uh, put me in a place, a prison or something, and take away my Bible from me. Man, that'd be tough, wouldn't it? But we've got it so readily available to us that so frequently, I think we don't really value it in the way that we ought to. I don't think we always uh, can honestly say, oh, how I love thy law. It, it, It is so precious to me. But here this psalmist, here he describes ...why he loves the law of God and the word of God. And and so tonight we're going to look at that, learning to love God's word. I want you to notice that he says, oh how love I thy law. And then he goes on and he says, it is my meditation all the day. I love the word of God so much that I meditate on God's word. The word meditate has, has to do with that idea of thinking upon, dwelling upon, ruminating in something... My mind is constantly consumed with the word of God. That's what he's saying. Can I ask you tonight, what is it that you think about throughout the day? What fills your mind? What fills your thoughts? What, uh, what are the things you dwell on? You say, well, I'm not really sure. Okay, what are the things you talk about? What are the things that you spend your money on? You know, what, do you, what are the things that you spend your time uh, reading about, or or uh, just just w- what are the things that fill your mind and your heart? Those are your meditations. I think to a lot of people, uh, their mind, anytime they get a chance, is filled with some form of entertainment. That's what their meditation is. Other people, it's their hobby, whatever that might be. Uh, maybe it's sports or 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 some other uh, type of hobby that takes up your time, and every spare minute you have, you're thinking about this thing. You, you kind of obsess over that thing. Well, this, this psalmist here, what he's saying is, I obsess over the law of God. That's what fills my mind, is God's Word. When, my, with the thing I think about in the morning, and at, in the afternoon, and in the evening, as I go to bed at night, the thing that's on my mind is God's Word. I'm meditating on it. You know, we know that that is God's will for us, isn't it? He wants us to spend time dwelling on the Word of God, considering it, quoting it to ourselves, and and, and really making it a part of us. I want you to hold your place here, but go back with me, if you would, to the book of Deuteronomy, and chapter 17. In Deuteronomy 17, the Lord is giving some instruction for the... When Israel gets a king, he's telling them how that king is supposed to live and what he's supposed to do, what he's not supposed to do. <clears throat> and notice that he says in verse number 18, um, yeah, 18 of Deuteronomy 17. The Lord here, speaking of the king of Israel, says, It shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests the Levites so in other words he was to take a copy of the Word of God the scriptures that they had at that time and he was to not only read it but he was to copy it down make a copy for himself I've never done that I've known people who have that have actually written out the entire Bible before there's a missionary I know that was one of the ways he learned the language he went to to Russia and, uh, and he took the Russian Bible, and he put it alongside of his King James Bible, and he'd read it in the Russian, and he'd read it in the King James to know what it said, and then he would write out the verse in Russian. And he did that all the way through the Russian Bible. And you know what happened? By the end of it, he could speak Russian. That wasn't the only way he learned, but that was something that he used. And then that same missionary ended up moving to Hungary, and he did the same thing there. And he's written out the Bible a few times. I think that's a a valuable thing. So this is something that, that the Lord commanded to the king of Israel. He was to write himself a copy of the scriptures. And then look at verse number 19. And it shall be with him. And he shall read therein all the days of his life. He was to read the word of God every day for the rest of his life. We heard about that. On Sunday night, Pastor Smith was preaching about things that we ought to do, and, but not stop doing, keep doing. And one of the things that he mentioned was to have a meaningful time with the Lord and reading the Bible and praying every day. And that's something that you ought to do. Be in the Word of God daily, feeding yourself God's Word. Now, what did Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, Right? So there's bread, there's physical food, and then there's the word of God. And if you need physical food to live, you need the Bible. How often do you eat? At least every day? Hopefully, right? For the most part, you ought to be reading the Bible every day. And that's, that's what he's saying. He's to read therein all the days of his life. Then listen to this. That he may learn to fear the Lord as God... To keep all the words of this law and these statutes, to do them, he needs to read it every day in order that he might obey it. We're going to get to that in a minute. Verse 20: that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment. Did you know that when you're in the Word of God, it gives you proper perspective of who you are and your rightful place and purpose in life? It really does. So, so the psalmist says, I, I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. The Lord told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. And we're familiar with the verse, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Day and night. You need to be meditating in the law of the Lord. Psalm 1 says that the blessed man is one who... His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And then I want to take you over to the book of Colossians in the New Testament, if you would, please. Colossians chapter number 3. We're talking about the word of God being our meditation. Colossians chapter number 3. look at verse number 16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. We're going to just stop there. Think about this. The word of God is not only to exist as part of your life. It is to dwell in you. The word of God should be living in you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So so we get this idea that God's word ought to consume our mind and our thoughts and our hearts. Now here's the thing. I think all of us would agree with that. But how many of us can say that that's a reality in our life? I mean, here the psalmist is talking to the Lord, the God who knows the very thoughts of our minds, the things that go on in our heart, and he testifies to God, I am meditating in your word all day long. You know what that means? He must, it must have been true of him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to say it before God, Honestly. He wasn't fooling God. He was just testifying of something that God already knew. Lord, you know how much I love your word. So much so that it fills me. It consumes me. It is part of me. It dwells in me. It's my meditation all the day. I would just encourage you to maybe work at changing some of the habits in your life in order to facilitate meditation on the Word of God. It it might be that you need to take some time as you drive down the road on your way to work and turn off the radio for a minute and just spend some time thinking about what you read in your Bible that morning. It, It might just be that rather than picking up your phone when you've got a free minute on your lunch break, you ought to be picking up a Bible and reading it and just... Filling yourself with it so that your mind can be set on right things. And folks, I will say to you very plainly and very clearly, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit, that the Word of God, in order to really love the Word of God, you need to understand that there, it is an acquired taste. It's not necessarily something that's just automatic in your life. Other things will take precedent in your mind, and, and and I have been there. If if you have ever uh, had a time where you felt like, okay, I need to sit down and read my Bible today, but it's kind of a chore, it's kind of a just something on my to-do list that I feel like I need to do, I've been there. I understand what that's like. I understand that there are honestly parts of the Bible, even, that when you first begin to read them, you think, wow, this is... Uh, this is kind of a slog through this part of the Bible, right? You ever felt that way? Maybe I'm just the only carnal one in here. But it's just the reality. And, and I just want to say to you that sometimes developing good habits, it takes some discipline to begin with. But one of the things that you find is that you will develop a taste for the Word of God. As you as you start to see it and the Lord begins to open your eyes and your understanding and, 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 and it, you see it affecting and changing your life and and you find that the, 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 there's wisdom that's, that you are getting that doesn't come from anywhere but God and His Word. And, and all of a sudden you find yourself enjoying it and longing for it and craving it. But it is a bit of a, an acquired taste and that's why you have to be diligent to feed yourself the Word of God continually. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you. That's a choice. And so he speaks of his meditation but notice he also speaks of his wisdom. And I love this. Notice he says, Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies. Now if you remember, one of the things we've talked about in this chapter is that the psalmist is dealing with some enemies that are, that are working against him. They're conspiring against him. They're seeking to destroy him. And here is he, he's able to say to the Lord in his private prayer time, Lord, you have given me an advantage over those who are seeking my destruction, because through your word you have given me wisdom and understanding that exceeds what my enemies have. That's a pretty powerful thing. I mean, that's a good place to be, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful to have uh, better intelligence than your enemies? I mean, you know, if you you look at just uh, warfare in general, let's talk about in the physical world when two nations go to battle against one another having a strong military is very important but really in order to have a strong military you need to have a good foundation of intelligence right to know what what needs to be done and there's uh... our our military invests an awful lot our defense department invests an awful lot of time and money in just gathering intel finding information that's going to be valuable and helpful against our enemies, right? And here's what David is saying. And I've told you before, I believe David is the one that wrote this. But here's what he's saying. I've got enemies who are conspiring against me, but I have something they don't have. I have wisdom that comes from God. I have intel that comes only from the Almighty, and he has made me wiser. He's given me more understanding than my enemies. That's a good place to be. But then we read on. And notice what he says, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. Uh, Not only am I wiser and have more understanding than my enemies, I even have more wisdom than my teachers have. I have wisdom beyond my years. I have wisdom above that which those who set set out to be my instructors, uh, I've even transcended their wisdom. Because because the wisdom I have, the understanding I have comes from God through his word. And then look at verse 100. Look at this. I love this. I understand more than the ancients. So first I understand more than my enemies. And then I even understand more than my teachers. But better than that, I understand more than the ancients. Who are the ancients? Well, those are people who have gone on before. Now think about this with me. The very best that we can do as human beings is build upon experience, right? You, hopefully, throughout your life will gain wisdom. And the longer you live, the wiser you ought to be. It's not always true, but that's really the way it should be. The more you live, the more experience you have, the more wisdom that you should gain throughout those years. And then you know what really should happen after that is as a person ages and gets wisdom, they shouldn't hoard that wisdom to themselves but pass it on to other people. Well, if I then take wisdom from someone who's wiser than I and I feed myself that wisdom and then I add to that my experience and wisdom I get through life and I pass that on, you know what happens generation after generation, we ought to be becoming wiser. You would think. Again, it doesn't always work that way. But that's the very best that humans can do. Build upon experience and wisdom. However, the psalmist here, what is he saying? My understanding transcends even the ancients. My understanding, the understanding that I have, and this isn't a prideful and arrogant statement. This is a statement about how much he values the word of God because what he's saying here is I have more wisdom and more understanding than is humanly possible, because the wisdom that I have doesn't come from human beings. It doesn't come from man. It's not the, it, it's not the wisdom of men that I have. What did God say in first, or what does the Bible say in 1 Corinthians? It says to us that the foolishness of God is wiser than men. I mean, the, the wisdom that comes from God is so far above anything that the world could ever offer. Anything that the wisest people among us could ever offer. And, and listen, I'm not trying to belittle education. And I'm not trying to downplay the value of, of learning from other people. I read books from people who are wiser than I am. I try to listen to teaching from people who know more about certain things than I do because I want to learn some things. But I I want you to know this. There is no guru out there on any subject that can help you more than this book right here. There's not. Whatever issue you're having in life, if you're having difficulties in your marriage... There are people out there, wise people, that might be able to counsel you and give you instruction. There are books you can read that can help you with things like that. But none of those things is nearly as valuable as the information you find in this book on how to have a good marriage. I mean, it's it's just so far above. In fact, the very best books that are out there about how to have a good marriage are based on, here's what the Bible says about how to have a good marriage because the wisdom that we need is not man's wisdom it's God's wisdom and this is the best teacher that you can have if you have a need in your life maybe you've got a financial problem there's all mean, countless countless resources out there in the world books and seminars and videos and and people that can financial coaches that can try and help you and you know what there they're not nearly as valuable as the financial information that is contained right in this book. And this is true of so many areas. Raising children, business, uh, uh, how to have good relationships with, with your neighbors, and, 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 and honestly, how to have good health in your life, and all of these things. You are not going to find a more valuable piece of wisdom and information than you can find in the word of God. And here's what he's saying. I I have transcended human ability in my wisdom and understanding simply because I have delved into the word of God and made it part of my my being, who I am, and the the things that I think about. I'm just in God's word, and, and I'm finding his wisdom in his word. I want you to hold your place here and go forward a few pages to the book of Proverbs in chapter number 1 Proverbs 1 this is simply one book in the Bible but i want you to notice what just the book of proverbs and this is the book kind of the book of wisdom within the book of wisdom right notice what it says here proverbs 1 verse 1 the proverbs of solomon the son of david king of israel why is this here to know wisdom and instruction To perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, and to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Did you you get that? Subtlety to the simple. Well, I'm not just a very smart, I'm just not a very smart person. That's okay. The word of God can give subtlety to the simple. That word subtlety has to do with wisdom. Having, have a, having a cunningness about you to give subtlety to the simple. You say, Well, I'm just young. I'm just a child. Yeah. And to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Young people, you can be wiser than old people in this room. What? How's that possible? I don't have nearly the experience they have. No, but if you would delight yourself in the Word of God, you know what? The wisdom of God transcends the wisdom of men. I'm just saying, it's available to us. God has given it to us in His Word. And what does it say? A wise man will hear and increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. Uh, what, What happens if... You say, well, I want to be a wise person. Here's step one. You need to hear. You need to hear the word of God. You need to feed yourself the word of God. Listen to it. Look what he says in verse number six. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. If you you will pay attention to what this book has to say, you'll be able to decipher things that are complicated and complex and difficult. And then notice verse number 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You see, it's really not just about... And again, I'm not discounting experience. I would be a fool to do that. But it's really not just about... Gaining intelligence or experience in life. A wise person is not one who thinks I've got it all figured out because I've been down the road before. A wise person is one who says, what does God say about that? Seriously. Wisdom is found in the word of God. And that's why the Bible says in James chapter 1. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God which giveth to all men liberally. God is the giver of wisdom. It's not just life. It's not just the school of hard knocks. Yes, God can use that. But if you really want wisdom, get in the book. Get in the book. So he talks about his meditation and then his wisdom. And then he goes on and he talks about his obedience. And this is important. Look back in Psalm 119. He says in verse number 101, I have refrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. Look at verse number 104 Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. What is he saying? I have learned to live a life pleasing to God through his word. This is so important. I have refrained my feet from every evil way. You know what he's saying? I have gained victory over sin through the word of God. Now, do you know there are actually two ways, two aspects to getting victory over sin? One is to be in bondage to sin and to find deliverance. And you can find that in the Word of God. If if you're struggling tonight, you've got a sin stronghold in your life, just something that you continually keep going back to and you can't seem to get over it, the answer is right here. That's one aspect of getting victory over sin. But do you know another aspect, and even a better aspect, to getting victory over sin? To avoid it altogether. What does the Bible say? A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation. I'm just going to avoid the snare, I'm going to avoid the trap altogether. Now, I will admit that I have had in my life strongholds of sin and things that even today I still wrestle with. And, I, I, and, and by God's grace, I can have victory over those things, and I'm thankful for that. But I'll tell you that there are some very common, and this is, again, not a prideful, arrogant statement, but there are some very common strongholds and, and areas of addiction and bondage to sin That I don't struggle with in the least. Because I've never even gone that direction. I've never even set my feet in that direction. And today I don't struggle with that. And I'm thankful for that. That's that's only the grace of God. But young people, let me just tell you. If you want to get victory over sin. The very best way to do it is to avoid it. Just stay away from it. Don't dabble in it. Don't play around with it. Don't mess with it. He says that I I have refrained my feet. I've kept myself from every evil way. Why? That I might, future tense, that I might keep thy word. Because I want to be faithful to the word of God, I have avoided some things in my life that could be pitfalls and downfalls to me. Victory. Victory. Verse 102, I have not departed from thy judgments. I have remained faithful to your word. Verse 104, through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Lord, I I, I want to go the way that you have for me. I want to follow your will and your path and your plan for me. And I do that because I love your law. Can I ask you a question? As we consider the value of the Word of God and the importance of it in your life and and how you can actually obey God through obeying His Word, when was the last time that you made an important life decision based upon something that the Bible said? Or maybe I could ask it to you this way. When was the last time that You had scripture to back up a decision that you made. You could write down a verse or a list of verses of scripture that that God used to lead you in a certain path. If that rarely happens in your life, it could be that you aren't filling yourself with the word of God enough. It could be that you're not meditating on it like you ought to. It could be that you're not valuing it like you should. Listen, if you're going to make a very big and important decision, wouldn't you like to consult someone who knows better than you do? If you're going to invest in a business... Wouldn't it be wise for you to talk to someone who's had that type of a business before and get some information or a suggestion from them? Or even to ask them, is this a good idea, should I do this? I think that would be wise. If you're going to go and buy a house, you probably are going to consult with someone who knows something about the structure of the house and the integrity of it, or, or maybe the financial side of it. Is this a good idea? Purchase, is this a wise thing? You're going to consult someone who knows better than you. But how frequently do we go to the word of God recognizing that God knows better than I do and I ought to have something that I can point to, a a, a principle or, or an example or a direct commandment from the word of God before I set my feet in this direction? We ought to... Our, 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 find our foundation in the word of God if we're going to obey him and find victory over sin and, 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 and go in the way that he would have us to go it ought to be through the word of God and so the psalmist here is able to testify that, that I obey God because of his word and, and I have wisdom because of his word and I meditate in his word all the day But then there's that nagging statement. It's not that he just does this because he knows it's right. But he actually delights in it. I love thy law. Verse 103, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now, I understand that we have things that maybe to some taste better than honey does. Maybe you like ice cream or brownies or whatever the case is. I don't know. But think about this. Back especially at this time, I mean, you pretty much were living on you know, a diet of some vegetables and fish and bread and that kind of thing. And about the only sweet treat that you got was when you found some honey. And so that was a pretty special thing. To be able to get some honey. And the sweetness and the enjoyment that would come with that. Here's what he's saying. In the same way that honey satisfies my mouth, the word of God satisfies my soul. I crave it. I long for it. I love it. Can you say that? Can you say sincerely and honestly before God, I love God's word and I meditate in it all the day? If not, if you can't sincerely say that, I'm not trying to shame you or embarrass you. But here's what I'm trying to say. You need to acquire the taste. Learn to love it. Fill yourself with it. Live by it. Maybe, listen, we're talking about food, just on the analogy here, okay? Parents, if you only fed your kids ice cream and donuts... And that was their only diet. They probably wouldn't have a taste for much else. They probably wouldn't have much of a taste for fruits and vegetables and things that are actually good for them. Right? Is it possible that we don't have a taste for the word of God because we've filled ourselves with a bunch of junk? That might be more temporarily satisfying but it doesn't give us the nutritional value that God's word does if that's the case can I encourage you to put away the ice cream and donuts get rid of some of the junk so that you can find delight in good things that will actually give nutrients to your soul and help you to grow Maybe cut back a little bit on some of the things that get in the way and fill your mind and consume your time so that you can find time to delight in the Word of God. Acquire the taste. And you know what you'll find? It'll become your meditation. It'll give you wisdom far above what the world could ever offer. And it'll keep you living in the will of God And avoiding the pitfalls and snares of sin.